Oh, good evening, everyone, and welcome to another big weekend wrap brought to you by Crowcast. Lots to talk about with a great win uh, over the Carlton Blues, so let's not mess around. Let's get right into it, shall we? G'day everyone and welcome to what's going on here off screen there we are well my little transitions have gone uh good evening everyone welcome to crowcast as i said joining me tonight as per usual macca and nikki how are you going mac yeah not flying high mate very good and nikki how are you i'm going well Good to hear, good to hear. Uh, sorry, I was just a little bit disorganised then, which is very surprising. Very surprising for me, oh. isn't it? <laughs> well, I'm staggered. Absolutely You're staggered. staggered. Yeah, yeah. Well, the trouble is, bloody software keeps updating, you know, and when it updates, they do rude things like drop your settings, and it's just uh, just very rude. Never mind. Can't be helped. Look, uh, another big weekend of footy uh, capped off. Uh, today by another great win by the Crows, three in a row. You wouldn't have thought that a month ago. Well, ironically, it's been two and a week since our last show. <laughs> well, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I forgot about that. We got two. Yeah. We got two to talk about, don't we? We've got two games. <laughs> oh, that's bloody great. Well, let, you know what's really good? We've got a young group that's learning how to win in September. Well, yeah, very, very pleased with that. There's a lot to talk about there. Undefeated in September, if you don't mind, this year. (laughs) We're one of the form teams of the competition. That's it, that's it. Look, thanks to everyone who's joined us on Discord and YouTube and Facebook and Twitch, I think, is running. Yes, it is. Uh, uh, G'day to everyone that's on those platforms and joining. Make sure you chat along. If you want to chat along with us on Discord, uh, you can just get around us on the aflcrowcast.com website. Go to the live chat page. Uh, You'll follow the instructions there and you'll be able to hook into our discord channel without any problems at all but if you're chatting with us on youtube and facebook uh don't worry that feeds into our discord as well so we'll be able to see what you're saying and answer your back right well we've got a lot to talk about nick so uh and max so why don't we just stop fart asking around and uh get right into it <laughs> um all right well let's uh, i'm not going to cover the uh, the rest of uh, round six. Where did we get up to? For God's sakes, we so, got up to we got it, up to Monday the seventh, didn't we? Uh, so, we, yeah, we, we actually we got the last two games. Um, yeah, so, so we got so the Dockers beat Melbourne on Monday night by fourteen points, uh, and then on Tuesday night we had a massive win over the Giants. We can spend a couple of minutes talking about that. Um, but uh, given that it was so long ago, we probably won't spend too much time talking about it. Um, I was there. 
that's good. Um, also on the Tuesday night, we had um, Carlton getting up over <laughs> Sydney uh, by five points, uh, and at that stage, keeping their slim finals hopes alive. Um, and then on the Wednesday, we had uh, Lions smashing the Suns. Nick, you and I have been on the Suns now for a couple of years. I'm ready to jump off. I know. Bastards. Ready to jump off. Only because they don't seem to have a heart and soul. They've got the GWS injury. They don't have a heart and soul, and uh, it's a worry for them. It's a worry for Stewie G. And uh, I, as I said, I'm losing patience, I think, with them. Um, so, anyway, never mind. Uh, and then well, I'm, 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 I've never been on their tram thing, as you know, and I, I don't think they should exist, quite frankly. That's what I and I've always stated well, that. I'm starting to think the same, Mac. You know, I mean, with their list and the opportunities that they've had, and I know that it's not easy up there and all the rest of it, but uh, I'm starting to lose the will to uh, wish them well, quite honestly. They're, they're a drain on the talent to the rest of the clubs. No, no, And the finances. Yeah, no club's ever succeeded on the Gold Coast. I can understand the uh, no. premise of GWS, um, but uh, I can't understand the premise of the Gold Coast. Anyway... Uh, on Thursday night, the Wiggles had a good win, a solid win over St Kilda after uh, being in a bit of trouble there for a little while. They got up by 15 points in the end. Friday night... They looked completely, they looked completely disinterested at the start and then they decided to... Yeah, oh, just there's decided this to play. Football. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it was an important win for them in the end. Um, you know, to lose that and it puts them back in the... In the pack a bit, so uh, important win. Um, Friday night, Richmond um, pretty much destroyed Geelong. That was an impressive. That was an impressive win, I thought. Yeah, I, 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 I have to come out and say I did say about five weeks ago Richmond cannot win the flag. I'm going to swallow my pride and say they they can win the flag. Yeah, well, the cats are my favourites, and uh, I don't know whether they just had an off night. They've been. Up for a while this season, but uh, Richmond looked very powerful. Uh, yesterday, North Melbourne doing their absolute best to nick number one office. Um, going Love down it, tankers, absolute tankers. Oh, they are tanking hard. They're, they're going down harder than the Titanic at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and to be fair, the Titanic did take a couple of hours. Well, that's true. I, I actually cleaned it up, Nick. In your presence, I was going to make reference to... Some uh, work demographic in Thailand. But anyway, uh, Fremantle 15-9 to North 5-5, 64 points. North not looking like it. Uh, And, you know, there's starting to be talk about who North need to bring in and they need this person, that person. They're they're in big strife. Um, Port having a a comfortable win over Essendon, 11-13-79 to 4-5-20. a 29 margin there of 50 points. Uh, I didn't see the game, but uh, that's a pretty solid result for them. And uh, very well, we did play well. Yeah, no one cares. And so, so Swamp Thing on Twitter um, after our win against GWS tweeted that we've won more games in September than Essendon have. I think it was in the past either nine or ten years. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. It was quite funny that one. Um, Melbourne had an important win in the context of their season, uh, 12-7-79 to the Giants, 11-8-74, doing us a favour in the protests. And, uh, oh, the Giants are in vulnerable position at the moment. Vulnerable position. Playing um, a football. 
Yes, very much. Uh, again, playing without any heart, Mac. Yep, no heart. Mm. Which very uh, much makes sense because what 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 did we talk about GWS the past couple of years, Fiend, about them not liking it when teams get in their face? Yeah, absolutely. They, ball, they have problems. Yeah. And that once you think about that, you understand why Knicks was so hard about us and contested ball. Yeah, well, um, you know, it, it's GWS love playing that training drill footy where they can just run and spread and you know, show off their skills and all the rest of it. But when they've got to grit their teeth, there's not many games that I've seen them win when it really matters uh, when the chip's down. So uh, that's that's something that they have to overcome. Uh, today, aside yeah, from our win of... Just oh, around, well, I was barracking like really hard for Bill because we get GWS as a first-round pick. So yes, exactly more right. GWS will lose, and there's only one yeah. more game to go, and I hope they lose that too uh, so that we get a better pick. Well, that's why I wanted them to lose to for us to beat them last week, Mac. And you're all, oh, no, 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 we can't lose. Pick one, blah, blah, blah. Come on, mate. Um, today, apart from our win, we also had the Bulldogs uh, keeping their chances afloat. 11 10 76 to the Hawthorne Hawks, 6 4 40. And uh, there's also a match going on right now. Um, Brisbane Lions, 8 5 53. Uh, Sydney 5-3-33, that looks like it might be done. Brisbane up by 20 halfway through, the, or probably two-thirds of the way through the last quarter. Let's have a look at the ladder, shall we? Um, so i bring it up here. Yeah, MrAFL.com. Uh, thanks again to AFL.com.au for allowing us to uh, use their... I don't know whether they've allowed us, but uh, I assume they've allowed us to use their website for some of our graphics tonight. <laughs> uh, and it's, uh, it's a bit of congestion in the middle there. We've got Port on top, uh, clear on top, and probably win the, the uh, minor premiership, you would say, which, let's be honest, in their 150th year is well-deserved, um, 52 points. Brisbane on 48 points with a game in hand, likely also go up to 52 points in a minute. Uh, Richmond on 46, starting to look like a top four spot is theirs. Geelong slipping back to 44 points and uh, just percentage in front of West Coast um, on at fifth. St Kilda sixth, Western Bulldogs seventh, both on 36 points. Collingwood with a game in hand on 34, could leapfrog them both. Melbourne above Giants on percentage and uh, one game... Uh, assuming Collingwood get up one game out of the eight. If Collingwood lose, they're only half a game out of the eight with a game to go. So the Giants and Melbourne are two teams out of the uh, out of the eight that both would be shitty with missing the eight for uh, completely opposite reasons. Uh, GWS would join us as being a grand finalist that misses the eight the next year. I hope so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, us. I do too. Well, it certainly does. Um, and then we got uh, Frio, Carlton, Essendon, Gold Coast, Sydney, Hawthorne, North. Bloody only five and a half percentage points in front of us now. Um, both on three wins uh, with Adelaide. North the, the, West... the bonus going into the last round is mm. that North play West Coast first. So mm. we will know how much they've tanked by. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I mean, look, on form... Richmond should uh, should win. 
Yeah. You would think on form uh, they should beat us quite yeah. comfortably. Yeah. You would think that, you know, it's all things being equal, you'd expect them to beat us by anywhere like, say, five, six goals. Yep, you would think and so. I, and I think if that ha- if that happens, uh, I think we'd be safe. Yeah, I don't disagree, Mac. I think that's uh, pretty reasonable. Um, because I think, because I think we've, they've kicked, uh, North Melbourne have kicked 30 more for than, than we have, I think it's something like that, and we've got 50 more against than they have. So... Um, if, if we lost by another 30, they'd have to lose by about 20 goals or something like that to get anywhere near us. Is it that much? Yeah, yeah okay. All right. Um, all right. So let's have a quick look at the game that was played about a 1,000 years ago uh, very quickly. Um, so I get myself organised here. Uh, the Crows, having... I would say their best... Would you say that's their best win of the season? I think so. 8 11 to 7-5-47. Uh, margin of 12 points over the Giants. It was a really dis- impressive game of footy, I thought. It was. I agree with you. And, and I thought our, our midfield... You know, they always talk about the mighty Giants midfield. We we crushed them in the midfield. Yep. And, uh, they didn't look like and it. And the two... And the two Crouch boys probably played as together as well as they've, they've done for many a year, I reckon. Yes, they, yes. They were outstanding, the, the Crouchers. Just a My quick memory run. of that whole game is it revolved around the middle. Yeah, no, it did. But you're very right, Mac. Uh, it was um, our ascendancy in the middle that gave us all the uh, momentum. The other thing, too, uh, as we just... I've just got the, the uh, team stats up here. Um, we outnumbered them... Overall, but it was our kick to handball ratio again. Um, we were really using handball as we did against Hawthorne to break them up, and uh, it worked really well. Um, look, nothing much else was different. Uh, Riley O'Brien had an excellent game in the ruck. We won the clearances by 10, um, which was largely centre clearances, as you mentioned, Mac. We, um, we cleaned them up in the centre. And, uh, and we were in their face the whole game, and they yeah. did not like it. And there was a very definite game plan that we and had, it's, it's which been a was feature. to keep them out wide. Yeah, it's been a feature. Um, we had a plan against Hawthorne to run through their zone. We had a plan uh, against the Giants. It looked to me to deny them the corridor, as you said, Nick, and yep. to really Correct. get up in their grill um, and to uh, to push them outside of the areas that they wanted to play. Um and then we had some really good, um, effective running off half back. I thought um, it was good to watch. A very enjoyable game. And and Elliot's best game. Yeah, well, the bird. Yeah, he went. He went well. And uh, nineteen ninety Crow makes a great point about Leardy into the middle makes a big difference. Huge difference. Um, I thought it was Elliot's best game until today. I thought today was Elliot's best game. But we'll get to that. Um, and we're taking and marks inside 50, but both uh, against the Giants and also again today, marks inside 50, and the, fantastic. And the one other thing is just that pass from Scholl at the end of the first quarter on his left foot, if you don't mind, to the advantage of Himmelberg. Yep. So that he could reach sideways. That yep. was just a superb, deliberate well, kick. It was I'll just go, a thing of beauty. I'll go one step further than that, Nick. It wasn't. It wasn't actually to Himmelberg's advantage because Himmelberg initially was running the other way. But what Lockie Scholl did and what all really good kicks of the football do 
they they kick the ball to where they want the forward to run. And Lockie put it it not not so much in Elliot's path, but he put it to the uh, to the to the bad side of the defender. So the defender was all of a sudden, even though he was slightly in front of Himmelberg, had the ball gone to the boundary side, ended up being behind Himmelberg because of where Lockie Scholl placed the ball. And that's a sign of a good kicker of the football. And Lockie Scholl definitely is a good kicker of the football. What I, what I meant was, to his advantage, is exactly what you described. But Himmelberg yeah. as well has also been doing those looping leads. He's not doing the straight leads. We talked about this a number of weeks ago, um, mm. earlier on the season when he was having a bit of trouble, saying he needs to do those little curving leads. And he started to do them. The, the beautiful one today as well, the, the mark that he he took. And that's that advantage that that I was alluding to. So you're right that, yes, it's, it's kicking to where the forward needs to be leading, but it's also understanding how that forward patterns work as well. Yep. Agreed. All, all played well. Um, which leads us on to today. And um, I, I wasn't sure about today. Carlton still got, had something to play for, I felt. Um, they'd fought hard to ke- keep their finals hopes alive, their slim finals hopes alive last game. Um, so it was a really gritty win that was uh, helped by a really fast start. And the Crows ended up, um, after a dominant first half, um, ended up holding Carlton at bay. 10-12-72 to Carlton 8-8-56. 16 points, three in a row. You wouldn't have picked that a month ago. Tons to like, tons to like about um, about the game. Well, I'm going to say after the, 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 the three quarters against Geelong, when we played so well against a very, very good team, um, I, I think, you know, when you think that, I think Hawthorne, I couldn't believe that the odds that got served up on Hawthorne, I jumped in on that. I yeah. didn't jump in again last week. I didn't. I thought we'd beat Carlton, but I didn't want to back us because I didn't want to um, win money and we lose the game. And we, <laughs> sorry, and we win the game. I wanted, really wanted us to lose the game. So, for that reason, I didn't back us this time. But um, oh, I think I think the signs were there against Geelong that we were just all of a sudden understanding what Nick's was trying to do. And I did read an article where it said that Sloan, it, things turned around when Sloan approached the coach and said, could he explain to them in very simple layman terms, what he wanted out of them. And there was, he, there was, a, the there language, was a subs- the language, yeah. you know. Mac, for me, and I will do this before the end of the season when I get a chance, but for me, it's been the stark contrast between how we've set up in the centre over the last four to six weeks. Uh, <laughs> manner, <laughs> the, get a the, out of me. The, we're far more, d- more dynamic. Far more dynamic. We're on the mood. Move, you'll see Harry Schomburg just loves cutting that little path through um, uh, at stoppage. He did it two or three times again today. Uh, Rory Laird, because of his low centre of gravity, he's just able to burrow through and he's making every post a winner um, in the centre. Um, he's no loving it, isn't he? To, he's uh, absolutely loving it. You can see yeah, that. Yep. Yeah. Um, but it's just our dynamism around centre and also around stoppage. We're not predictable anymore. Uh, O'Brien's tapping to different places, um, and uh, our boys are on the move. So I thought it was excellent. Look, let's just run through um, some, some stats really quick. I was just going to add about the um, those stoppages because it was very interesting. The GWS game that when 
because we were congesting it up in that centre, often we'd have a secondary stoppage and Schoenberg would come up to the back of the stoppage from because he was playing on the half-forward line. Every time we had that, he'd come up to become an extra midfielder off that. Yeah, I I picked it up. And it was really effective. Yeah, yeah. All right, Um, let's look at some stats quickly. Uh, Disposals, 324 to 273 in our favour. You can see by the graph there that we opened up a fairly comfortable lead in disposals early on um, and sort of maintained that for the uh, for the whole game, really. Um, they never really looked like um, bridging that gap. Um, our kick-to-handball ratio was back to what I would call normal, 191 kicks, 133 handballs. So it was a different game style today. We were kicking the ball more, um, uh, although I felt like we were... One thing that I've noticed is that we've actually um, we've improved our short gives around in in congestion. Uh, we look a little slicker and a little bit more confident in that regard. Agree. Yep. Um, inside fifties were even um, forty four apiece, um, but I think again we had the uh, ascendancy early. Uh, yeah, we did a bit. Um, certainly in the first half, we had more inside 50 ball uh, than Carlton. Uh, what else we got here? Our deficiency, our deficiency, our efficiency was pretty good, uh, 73.5 to 68.1. Uh, I felt like Carlton did burn it a little bit. Um, and uh, they, were d- they were down in the 30% early on. Yeah, yeah they're, they're burning the ball badly. Yeah. Um, and what I like, about this next stat, we're just looking at stoppages now, is that um, even though we were fairly um, even in terms of clearances for the game, um, it felt to me that we were again more effective with our clearance work than Carlton. Oh, I think vastly. Uh, they, they, their last quarter, they probably might have outshone us in that area without looking at the stats. But um, for three quarters, definitely, uh, we were much much more effective. Yeah, yeah. They started to get on top a little bit in the third quarter once, and you could tell we tied. Um, yeah. And halfway through they the definitely, third, they started to pick it up yeah. around stoppage. And they that's where they did the bulk of the catching up was in the last quarter. Yeah. Yeah. Can I just I just digress for one moment? And I know you don't like digressions, but that that run by um, what's his name from Carlton? Uh, the, the oh, Cripps. Cripps was Cripps. Yeah. Um, mm. I counted the number of step paces he took. Twenty-four, oh, yeah. I reckon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I could not believe that wasn't called up. Yeah. No. I mean, it was fancy work, and he was a little bit arsy about it. The ball stuck while it was behind his back, and he. Managed to hang on, but you're right. He he should have got when he made that second dodge. That was enough. He should have got done then. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you know, I mean, as I said, even though clearances looked fairly um, even during the course of the match, it did fluctuate a bit. Um, we were on top uh, up until probably halfway through the third quarter in stoppage, and um, reasonably even in center clearances. Um, but I just felt like our work. Out, out, out of the congestion, our ability to move away from con- congestion using some really dynamic handball um, was superior to Carlton's work. 
Yeah, AFL use of handball overall it was probably better than theirs. Uh, they did get it going a little bit in the last quarter again when we got tired. But um, those when we uh, got, got the ascendancy and got our lead, gee, we did some beautiful stuff in that. We're, the game plan that Nixie's got work at, worked out now and, uh, and the boys are starting to really understand what he wants. Uh, it's it's a good game plan because it, it, once you get it going, it, it's almost uh, unstoppable. Yeah. Um, we had a lot more uncontested possession than, than Carlton as a consequence of that, um, I think it was 195 to 153, and we basically maintained that ascendancy, that gap, throughout the game so whilst contested possession was quite even um, 121 to 114 in the end um, our ability as I said once we spread we were able to use the ball quite constructively um, without uh, it being a, a like we were able to move the ball quite fluidly I thought the only the only issue that I had is I felt like when we tired um, sort of halfway through the third quarter our forward 50 entries started to suffer and um, we started to yeah. do that they bailout, bombing in sort mm-hmm. of thing. Yep, yep. And can, um, can I just give a gold star to whoever the coach was who's actually managed to get our players to handle to the chest area of a teammate instead of their feet? <laughs> that was our specialty, Nick. Oh, it's been our specialty for a number of years, and all of a sudden we've stopped doing it. Yeah. Oh, look, I mean... That's just practice. That's, that's, I think, I mean, we've spoken about this before, but I think it's been very difficult uh, under the circumstances for our squad to build any sort of consistency um, and any sort of um, fluidity in our play simply because of the the training schedules and the training regime that's been in place with COVID-19. And, you know, you couple that with the inexperienced coaching staff we've got at the moment... Um, and it's little wonder to me that as the season has progressed, our fitness has improved, and on the back of our fitness, we've been able to run to better positions, we've been able to provide more options, and our disposal has also improved because the one the, those three fact those three things are, are directly impacted by fitness and by fatigue, and I just felt like we looked tired early in the season, um, but. Uh, Probably about the last four to six weeks, we've looked a little bit more on top of the ground, and I think our performances have improved accordingly. Yeah, oh, there's no doubt about that. And also, I think, uh, plus the crucial decision to uh, put Laird into the middle and young Schonberg uh, starting to look like he's really, really at home playing at this level. So, yeah, um, I want to talk about Shuey uh, and a few others in a minute, uh, but you're dead right, uh, Matt. I think uh, those we, positional changes have really, really worked. As Shoal on the wing and Lynch on the wing. Yeah, well, yeah that I, was I, very I, good. Lynch, he, I reckon, was playing defensive wing, wasn't he? He was playing quite deep. Yeah, yeah. He, he, played, he plays the defensive wing. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, not much else to talk about. Everything else is fairly even, and it certainly evened up um, uh, during the third quarter there. Um, but, uh, look... Not a lot to be unhappy about. No, not really, because um, we've always said this, uh, uh, because of where we've been uh, and with the new coach, with the restrictions, et cetera, et cetera, and uh, poor assistance, all the rest of it, 
this year was always going to be finding out who can play football for next year. And we've really uncovered quite a few young footballers for next year and ones that are going to be very, very good for the long term as well. Oh, 100%, Matt, 100%. There's some players, um, and we'll get into the players in in just a moment, but as a general comment, in my opinion, there's some some players who have taken some real steps over the last two months. Um, Shane McAdam, Elliot Himmelberg, um, Harry Schoenberg, Lockie Scholl, uh, Will Hamill before he got injured. Andrew McPherson's looked like a rock. Ben Keyes has had a great season from yep. start to finish. Um, but most of the young players that we've had uh, run through the team this year have made an input. Tyson Stengel is another one who I feel has made yep. real strides, uh, both in terms of his fitness, but also in terms of his uh, contributions and his impact on the scoreboard. Um, been really, really good. So... Uh, Look, let's crack into some... Uh, let's not... What do you think, Nick? Keep talking for a minute while I just work myself out. <laughs> and I would pro- I'd probably also include Riley O'Brien in there as one of our younger players. I mean, yeah, he's 25, but in terms of AFL experience, he's, he's quite young um, in the role that he's playing. And, you know, it is actually looking very positive towards the future. And I do like that where we've had some areas of issue, that that's where they've come in and they've created those roles and and really made their own. It's just going to be a matter of getting them back in their fitness. And what they actually talked about McAdam this year was that his issue is when he goes home, it's very hard for him to train and keep up his training standards and that's where he was struggling. So he actually came back early and he came back in really good nick. And the way that he's playing, I I think he's just going to take another step again next year, which is a massive bonus for us. Yeah, he had a good year, a really good year. All right, well, let's uh, now that I've got myself sorted out, uh, let's have a look at some individual stats, shall we? Uh, Matty Crouch, um, what do you have? He had 28 disposals, 11 kicks, 17 handballs, which was a good recovery because he was on about 4 and 12 at one stage. Um, and I felt that he was a little bit handball happy. Um, but uh, he, uh, again, in close, um, really good. He had 12, 12 disposals in the first quarter, uh, 8 in the second, quite third quarter, and then uh, 6 in the last. But uh, I felt like Matty uh, had another really good game. He did. No, he had an excellent game. I thought. Nick, I agree. Good. He's he's had he's had two very good weeks. I was a little worried with Brad coming back in because the issue we've got is they're handball happy to each other and often backwards. But he's it's so so obvious about how forward looking he's actually looking to so say. Even when he does go back, it's it's a a very clear as. Little handball is quite an open. It opens up the play so that we can get a a nice break forward or a nice kick forward. Yeah. Um, the other thing I like about um, Maddie is his score involvements. I'm just bringing that up on the screen at the moment. Uh, his score involvements. He had three score involvements in the first quarter. He had one in the second, and another three in the third. That's uh, seven score involvements for the game. That was my big criticism of Matt that he just 
was a bit of a role player without having any scoreboard impact. Uh, but he's actually getting involved in chains now that are resulting in scores, um, and I think that's a real, um, it's a real string to his bow that he needs to keep developing because you want your midfielders to actually have a, have an impact rather than just sort of you know running around getting kicks for no reason. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And I think you know, Matty. Uh you know, well, two years ago he was the club champion, and the form he's in, in the last couple of weeks, so he's been in that type of form. Yep, agreed. Um, what else? He had good uh, contested possessions. Um, what do you have? Uh, contested possessions: three in the first, uh, one in the second, one in the third, and two in the last. Uh, his stoppage clearance work was okay. He had three. Uh, well, what about his centre clearances? Uh, he had two. So he had three clearances for the game. Look, I just felt it was a good game from Matty all around. Um, and uh, look, and I'll let's talk about Bryce now. Uh, not Bryce, Brad now as well, because it's probably the first time this season uh, that I thought, geez, Brad, you've had a good game today. Do you guys think that? Oh, no, no, I thought that uh, also on uh, the game on Tuesday as well. I, mean, I thought he had a terrific game on the Tuesday. Yeah, that's a fair well. call, actually. Fair call. Yeah, and but his day, his game today it was the stats underrate his game today because um, he played on Cripps uh, and Cripps was virtually in the first out, half. In the yeah, on the first half, and he's virtually out of the game. Cripps was uh, thanks to Brad. Um, yeah. yeah, Brad and Brad got a certain amount of positions himself. I, I just thought his overall contribution was uh, more. We we. The stats don't do him justice. That's the point I'm trying to make. Well, and I reckon Brad should take something from this, and I hope someone at the club points this out to him. He only had, well, only, he had 17 touches for the game, right? He had, uh, what do you have, uh, 3, 6, 9, 11 kicks and uh, 6 handballs, if my math's right. And yet his yep. impact, his impact on the game was more than some of his 30-plus disposal games, in my opinion. And that's the Agreed. that's the key. That's the key with with Brad and uh, along with Matt um, is their ability to have an impact. If you have a look, again, at Brad's score involvements, he had one in the first, three in the second, one in the third, and two in the fourth. So that's, so that's seven score involvements for the game. Again, that's what you want. You know, inside 50s for the game... Uh, he had two inside 50s uh, metres gained. Well, I don't know what that is. Quite a bit. Uh, what's that? 200, say 270 or something like that. Look, it's just, to me, it, it was a game that had far more impact, far more impact than some of his previous efforts where he's just knocked up getting the ball but hasn't really done anything with it. Yeah. And- and so I'm going to – so 1990 Crow in the chat, he th- he only thought Brad, Brad was okay um, and he said that he was damaging but he didn't get as many possessions as he normally does. He, and that's exactly what you've just pointed out, Fiend. We don't need him to get the 35 possessions if he's not as damaging. It's the fact that what he did with those 17 possessions was quality and that goal was a thing of beauty and that was a bloody hard kick to do. That's what we want to see from Brad. We don't want to see him stat counting. 
So the question I, I, um, I pose to you both, um, and you, everyone probably knows my stance on this, but I pose this to you both. Given the form line that he's on, and it's on a on a an upward trajectory, is he the kind of player that you want to have um, at the head of your midfield during a rebuilding period? Given that, if you're looking at uh, hitting a premiership window in you know three to four years' time, he'll still be around the place, um, you know, injuries notwithstanding. Is he the kind of guy? that you want to say, all right, Brad, you've shown us enough, we're going to make you the figurehead of our midfield for the next five years and we want you to bring these young people through? Or do you recognise he's at peak value and take what's on offer? Both. (laughs) It's a little bit of a conundrum because um, he is a a damn good player and um, our side is a better side with him in it. But... uh, and, and then, you know, he's, he's probably got another five or six good years in him. Um, so he could well be part of our next uh, premiership, but not guaranteed. But he wants apparently wants a five-year contract, and I think we've proven that when we give away a five-year contract, we don't do it very well. So, and, uh, and uh, you know, there's a bit of a move when you listen to um, what some of the experts are saying, that you really shouldn't tie up a good player for more than three years because of the risk of losing form, injury, etc., etc. Don't get hung up on the on the number. I guess what I'm saying is, uh, do we offer him another contract or do we not? Um, well, the answer, the answer is this. No, sorry, Nick. Uh, the answer is that if he gets uh, offered a contract externally big enough to get us picked two, then I think we let him go. And, and obviously, if, it, if, he, if it's for a second rounder, or in the, in the first round, no, we, we, we match it. My answer is use him whilst he's got the value. It's only two games. He's injury prone. Um, he has a – look, we're finally getting what we want out of him, but it's taken how long? Um, and we have to be a little bit more ruthless. Um We have to be able to say goodbye to good players in order to get quality – a youth in that we need for going forward for for the team, um, and I think. The, but the problem is our club gets very scared of the media banging on the drum of "Oh my God, all the Adelaide players that they're losing and the supporter base." But he's such a good bloke, and we love him, and and he shouldn't be leaving the Crows. They need to actually ignore that external noise and that public perception which unfortunately they put too much weight on and actually do what is best for the club and winning a premiership. Yeah. Uh, look, um, I think, though, Nicky, I've got no no problem with trading for uh, for pick two, but I'm, I'm not going to trade him for a second rounder. Why would you do that? No. You, as, as I said, his value is high. That's when you get rid of him. Yeah, look, I've got no problem in trading, no problem at all, and as long as we get picked too. So you get, so you do get your value for the trade, or in fact, maybe more than your value for the trade. Well, here's um, my here's my next question, Macca. Sorry to butt in, um, but given assuming we do get uh, Band One Compo uh, pick two for him, is the quality of this year's midfield draft pool sufficient that you can be confident? 
that you're going to be better off with the kid that you select it to? Or do we cut and run out of this draft, and we've had this conversation, and try to get into the, another one into the first round, which is not going to be easy because we're not the only club that recognises that next year's draft is stronger midfield-wise. So I guess it's it's complicated by the fact for me that uh, basically I don't know, I'm not confident whether the kid that we pick up at two this year is going to be an adequate replacement over the course of the next three to five years. Um, well, look, I think it will be Elijah Holland. Um, that's, I think that's pretty universally accepted and unless there's something that, you know, we lay people don't know... Um, and I do like you actually your, your choice of the boy from Perth as well. So they would Metrisco. be my choices. And I, I would think you could back, uh, barring injury, um, and he has had an injury, Elijah Holland. Mm. But uh, he's a, he's a pretty classy creature. Um, How's he gone in the midfield, Mac? How's he gone in the midfield? Yeah, that I know what you're saying because he's he's a bit of a midfielder forward. No, he's a forward midfielder. He's like hasn't played a lot of midfield minutes. He's untried. This was the year that they were going to stick him in the middle and see how he went. And You're he right. did his You're knee. Right. And but what's it's the a way gamble. He moves, you'd think that he shouldn't have a problem. It, mate, it's a gamble. It's a gamble. Elijah oh. Hollands at two is a gamble. I think Elijah Hollands will slip. And I think um, that um, there are other... Shaw midfield bet, so Driscoll, Phillips, um, uh, even Tanner Bruin. Tanner, Tanner Bruin is probably, of, of the available talent, I think he's probably the best midfielder um, on offer, but he's got his own injury concerns as well. He's certainly no uh, no clean skin injury-wise. I, I, it just worries me, I guess, and I don't want to get hung up on the conversation, uh, but it worries me that giving away Brad, yes, for, for pick two, yes, but... You know, value values of picks is all relative. It's all relative to who you actually get for that pick. And I'm not sure whether the talent available this year in that position is sufficient um, to offset losing someone like Brad and Goodnick. Look, I'm not qualified to answer that question, Fiend. Uh, well, none of us are. Not We're all speculating. Yeah. Um, so and that's not meant to be rude to saying that you haven't either. Um, no, no, no. Yeah, because... you know, I get what you mean. Because they never bloody played this year. Just it, it, the, it is so hard this year to, to really know. And yep. you might well be right in what you're saying. But I think the club will be very keen to actually bring in new blood into the, into the club because uh, they booed out eight players last year and there'll be some more gone at the end of this year. So they, they're just going to have to bring in new blood. So mm. um, And uh, I don't think they can... They don't have the luxury of being able to defer it another year. If you were... In a position where you're already in the in the top four. Uh, oh, I think they have around. the luxury. I think they have the luxury, Mac. I, I honestly do think they've got the luxury because we've got another year out of uh, we've got a, a, a Matt Crouch and Rory Laird will remain in that midfield group. We've, we'll get another year into Harry Schoenberg. Um, hopefully, Chase Jones steps up and plays a bit more midfield minutes. I, I do actually think we've got time to be patient and get the right midfield talent. And to me, the right midfield talent is in next year's draft. And the way, we're, the way we're projecting at the moment, we're not going to... I reckon we might not even be bottom three next year. 
which means that it's very, very important for us to still try and get something at the top end of next year's draft. And that's where I think the compo pick for Brad is going to be very, very important. Anyway, I don't. we've talked about this on and on. I just wanted to see whether you might have changed your mind given Brad's form over the last couple of weeks because it has been pretty good. Nicky is quite right, though. You always sell at the top, so... Uh... Uh, yeah, that well, that's that, right. Uh, I, I'm so, my my position is, and it's obviously is, is the clubs as well, because um, Brad's on five double A, and he keeps saying that the uh, he's happy to talk the club, but that they haven't put anything to him yet, and yeah. they're obviously not going to. They're, they're no. going to let the market determine whether he whether he stays or goes. That's right. That's right. And uh, I, I think he's resigned to that. Let's push on. Rory Laird had another excellent game. I thought. Um, oh, Lovely game, as you said. He, yeah, yeah. He, he, he really looks like Port Adelaide after a tart, doesn't he? He really, <laughs> really wants it that badly. Well, you know, twenty-seven touches, eleven and sixteen. Um, looked really good in close. Um, he had what did he have? Uh, only one in the one kick in the first, three in the second, three in the third, and four in the last. So it uh, didn't tail off at all. I thought he was doing his best work towards the end of the game. Um, you know, his clearance work was also good. I had that up before. I'll just put it up again. Um, look. Just just as, just such a strong, nuggety little body over the ball. Yeah, look, three centre clearances and three stoppage clearances um, for the match. Um, let's have a look at my favourite thing, score involvements. Uh, what's that? One in the first, two in the second, one in the third, and two in the fourth. So that's six for the game what you want out of your midfielders and this is where the difference is this is why we're winning games because our midfielders are, are making an impact on the scoreboard either directly or indirectly it makes such a difference when they're involved in scoring chains and we haven't how long has it been since that's happened well consistently over the last three weeks and not a lot before then we would scramble it in yep. scramble it in Force a stoppage at bloody half forward, kick it in high and hope for bloody Eddie Betts to do something. You know what I mean? It's been extremely scrappy, whereas them being involved in scoring chains uh, is making a huge difference to our ability to put scoreboard pressure on opposition, and uh, it's been quite noticeable. Mostly it was our forwards delivering into the forward line previously, not the mids. That's correct. Well, it was. It was Texan Lynch. It was Tex yeah, and Lynch who were hitting up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, look, I, I thought um, Roy's game was really good. Um, I feel like his, um, his working close is excellent. Um, you know, and three, four, he had five tackles for the game as well. Um, just really warming to the task and um, having a good mix of contested and uncontested ball as well. What was his... His contested possession was 7, 12, 14 contested. And what's that, 4, 8, 12, 15 uncontested. So a good, really good mix of contested inside and outside ball. Um, and I feel like his disposal has improved. He looks a little bit fitter as well. But to me, I think Rory, the thing with Rory Laird is he just looks like he's enjoying his footy a little bit more. Oh, he looks like he's loving it, absolutely loving it. Marty, Marty Magic pointed out really well that Laird's learning not to get sucked into the contest. And and that's what I noticed at the GWS game and 
this game as well, we were keeping more of our shape in the midfield. A little bit in that third quarter, we were getting, you saw sometimes the three midfielders were all in too close, but I think that was a bit of the tiring kind of aspect. Yeah. Mm. Um, but overall, we're keeping that shape of that midfield. Who goes in? Who stays out? Yeah. Uh, my next little study is young Harry, who had a very consistent game. His first uh, twenty-plus disposal it. game, uh, twenty-one touches. Uh, that's uh, sixteen and five. Um, his kick-to-handball ratio was very good. Uh, he doesn't mind using the ball by foot. He had six kicks in the first half, and uh, four in the second to go along with six handballs in the first half and five in the second half. Um, but I'm telling you, the kid's got something. He starts getting consistently over 20, 20 posies a game, and he's just going to get more and more effective and damaging. Um, and the good thing is that he was getting a contested and uncontested ball as well. Uh, it might surprise you to know that he actually had more uncontested possessions than con- contested, even though he's quite noticeable in stoppage. Um, yeah, look, I, I, I love country kids because they actually go in pretty hard for the ball. They, they, they're not frightened of bodies. And um, for the, to Harry Vick to get where he's got to in such a short time is incredibly good. And I'll tell you what, I feel very sorry for Harry because I think he's going to – he's played well enough, probably played well enough last week to get the rising star. He's played well enough – uh, today to get the rising star, and I reckon Charlie's probably going to pinch it off him. <laughs> he might pinch it, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that. Bloody Charlie. <laughs> but, but then, you know, seriously, if Jumbo doesn't get a rising star, he'd be one of the unlucky ones, I tell you. Yeah. Um, look, I've started with our midfield for one particular reason. We'll just finish off with Benny Keys, um, who probably by his standards was a little quiet today. Um, but I just felt like, is that probably the most complete and balanced um, performance by our midfield for a long time? Yes. Well, the last two games, the last two games. Yeah, all, all of those players that we've mentioned um, have got uh, good numbers and, um, you know, that we're all productive. Benny Keys, uh, what did he get? He got 18 touches, 11 and 7. Um, and again, his kick-to-handball ratio was spot on. He had th- uh, six kicks and six handballs in the first half and uh, two, four kicks in the second half, so he did tail off a bit in the second half. Might be looking for the finish line, I reckon, Benny Keys. He's been up pretty much all year. Um, and he, so... Look, he is a, a bloody hard worker too, Fred. He's, he is a two-way runner, and so often you'll see him, even when he's on the ball, in, in the last line of defence, he works that hard. So yeah. he's, he's probably entitled to get tired at the end. Yeah, yeah I reckon look, he might just be getting a little bit beat up. What do you reckon, Nick? Yeah, agree, but I still think it was a really nice, consistent game for him when it was his turn to go oh, and become absolutely. involved. He did. And that's and the others have stepped up so that he can actually drop off that little bit and just do what he needs to do. I think he's just had a really great season Definitely deserves to be on our list again next year. Oh, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Oh, easily, uh, yeah, and I think be, he actually might off. hold very nicely in the best and fairest. I'm going to raise that, Nikki. I think you know probably it's out of him and uh, Rob O'Brien uh, uh, who's going to win the best and fairest. I reckon. Well, has there ever been a rookie listed player that's won a best and fairest? 
a bloody good point. Because <laughs> <laughs> I reckon if it gets up, it'll be the it'll be the cheapest, best, and fairest any club has ever had. <laughs> and and he's a chance. <laughs> It definitely so, yeah, is a chance, won't it? Um, look, uh, as I've pointed out on the screen there, uh, only one clearance for the game, which probably indicates what I was saying, that he might just be feeling a little bit beat up. Um, still, he, you know, he, had a, he had a bit of a different role, though. He wasn't as in and under as he normally is. That no, was actually it, more Matt and Lely. Yeah, but he is a bit of a seaball, get-ball type, but I just felt like he was off the contest today. Uh, far more uncontested possession. He only had the four contested possessions for the game um, as opposed to so eight uncontested in the first half and three in the second, so 11 for the game. So definitely more outside of, than we used to. Um, a little bit of that though from Lady, of course, because Lady, uh, he likes firing after the ball and Matt Crouch likes firing after the ball, so he's got a bit of opposition for it now. Oh, yeah, yep, yep. Um, I and look, I'm not, I'm not hanging it on him at all because he's had a fantastic season. He certainly w- w- pulled his weight today. Um, I just feel like he might be uh, on that last lap of the marathon and just sort of staggering a little bit to the line. And I don't blame him. That's fine. Uh, There's only one more to go. Yeah, that's it. All right. So of the rest, let's have a look at Young Lachlan, shall we? Because uh, that was a breakout game, wasn't it? Breakout game oh, for Mister Lachlan. Absolutely ripper. I mean, yeah. you know, it, apart from the number of times he got the ball, the way he uses the ball, and the distance he carried the ball, it was just an amazing game. And he's got to get the rising star. Well, he got the most. Um, what is it? He got the most meter games of any player this year. Yeah. Um, ten kicks in the first quarter, if you don't mind. Eleven posies. Uh, he had another three kicks in the second quarter. For so. Half-time, he's had 13-1, and one, uh, 14 possessions up to half-time, running off a wing. Um, second half, a little bit quiet, but he still had six kicks and um, three handballs. So a fantastic game from Lockie. Uh, and it wasn't all uh, just about his disposals. Um, his uh, work um, in getting the ball inside 50 was good. He had four inside 50s in the first uh, five for the game. So his score involvements... Uh, Eight score involvements for the game, including tellingly three in the last quarter when uh, when you know it was up for grabs. So fantastic work um, from Lockie. And that Two. goal. Oh, and the goal was fantastic. Goal was fantastic. That goal um, when we needed it. So you know, and uh, I, I just feel like it was a, a really good, um, oh, really good. I'd say it's a breakout game for him. He hasn't he hasn't been that involved um, so far this season. Um, but no, he's certainly... he been building slightly for it, but he's actually exceeded uh, where he was building to. You know, yep. he was just coming along nicely, just put it, getting a little bit better each game. But then he's gone and done a giant leap forward in this in this particular game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. A, for a... me, Go on. For, yeah, for me, one of the most important things I've liked about Shoal because I've watched him in the twos over the past couple of years is his competitive nature. And particularly mm. when there is a game on the line, he's often one of those players in the SNFL who just lifts and makes sure that he just does something that impacts and gets the team over the line. And that's what we saw in that last quarter. He hates losing. And yeah. I love that about the kid. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
going to be something. Uh, now, the next one I want to talk about is Elliot Himmelberg. Um, oh, yeah. For, for my, our, our, our boy. Our boy. For, well, I'd see Nick. With, uh, with a well-deserved contract. Yes, uh, two years, signed on again. Fantastic. Look, I actually felt it was Himmelberg's best game um, because he wasn't speculating anymore. He was actually... He's, I, I feel like he's starting to believe and he's starting yeah. to actually be a little bit more assertive in how he's playing, how he's approaching the ball. Um, he did it against GWS. He took a couple of nice grabs, um, you know, and was leading assertively. And again today, I felt like he, he's starting to believe in himself and believe in the opportunity that's in front of him. And I, it was an excellent game by Elliot today, I thought. Yeah, and uh, as you know, as Donnie Nighty says in the, in the chat, he's confident is growing every confidence uh, grows every game. It's his belief in himself that he can actually do it. And and as you quite rightly said, the marks he went for today, today, he wasn't hoping to get the ball. He was thinking, "I'm going to get this ball." Yeah. Well, and, and the good thing about that, Mac, as you will know, as a as a little rover in your day. If a tool is hitting the pack with confidence, even if he doesn't mark it, and Elliot only took uh, two marks for the game, but even if he doesn't mark it, it's far more predictable as to where that ball's going to go if your key forward is hitting the, is hitting the contest. Because generally, you can watch what's happening with him and you'll know that the ball's going to come down in front. And I feel like Elliot's bringing the ball forward more often than not now when he contests rather than having those weak hands and the ball going over the back. Have you noticed that? Yep, and McAdams noticed it as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and Stengel. Oh, oh, St- St- Stengel. Stengel knows exactly if he's he's going to drop it exactly where it's going to go. You often, even that, that great mark that he took where he did the little run on the outside, Stengel was positioned perfectly for that and he was coming in. To, to hit that pack running if it came down the, came down forward. Yeah. Actually, he had, he had a pretty quiet game today, uh, today Stengel. Um, he was sort of thereabouts, but didn't really, uh, didn't, uh, was probably, in terms of his output, not as much. But just to finish what, off what on... Would he uh, huh? What, what, what was his uh, stats? Well, can yeah. we just finish yeah. Elliot first? If you don't mind? Well... <laughs> Thanks, mate. I was just going to say one more thing. Uh, along with the midfielders, Himmelberg as well had seven score involvements. So, again, one of your key players, uh, a tall player, that's having that much impact on the scoreboard, both directly and indirectly, um, is real key. Hey, Macca, why don't we have a look at Tyson Stengel? Uh, can, can I just... Well, that's a good idea. Elliot? Yeah, go on. Can I play... The one other thing I've really liked about particularly the GWS game in this one is his ruck work in the centre. Um, I was quietly amused when O'Brien had to go off for the blood rule and they said, oh, you know, this will be great for, for Carlton to get the breakaway now, etc." Elliot won the tap. Yeah, yeah. I that. <laughs> his ruck work has improved tremendously as well. Yeah. Again, I think this self-belief and confidence comes into that yeah. too. And then See, he mate- turns into another midfielder. See, mate, that's why I run the show, not you, because we had another two minutes of conversation on Himmelberg and you wanted to move on to Stengel. Yeah, well, she, look, <laughs> Nicky's, Nicky's his mum. Because, so. Yeah, because Macca doesn't want to admit that he's wrong about Himmelberg. 
And I, I don't I'm happy with what I'm wrong about him. I, I'm happy to be about I'm wrong about any of the players. I want them all to be bloody champions. Yeah. <laughs> Look, you know, let's not forget, Nick, that after three long, long years, I jumped off a few weeks ago as well. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't that impressed with him either. He needed to pull mm. his finger out. He has. Yeah. Uh, Tyson Stengel uh, only had the three kicks and, what's that, five handballs for the game, uh, one score involvement. So uh, you're right, Mac, it wasn't a big game um, uh, given his last month. Um, but uh, he seemed to be in and around it. It was one of those almost games from him. Yeah, I think that's a very accurate description of it because uh, his former has been excellent. And uh, just today... I. I just noticed him always near, but not quite on it. And uh, that, that would be about what I would have thought he got about the eight position, three, three, five. And it's a hard position to play as well, to you know, to get big stats. So, uh, but he always he does sort of sneak up the ground a little bit as well sometimes. So, and I look, I, I'm happy with him overall, but I just thought it wasn't his you know, his A grade game today. Yeah, probably the and only it wasn't, wasn't really a game for small forwards. Just well, the, the style of the way we were bringing the ball into the forward line. We were yeah. a lot cleaner. We didn't rely on that chaos ball a little bit, which yeah. he's so good at creating something out of nothing. Yeah. Um, Mac, one thing that I will point out, though, and this is probably a, a key indicator, when you're not getting a lot of the ball yourself, one of the things that you should try and focus on is your defensive side. And uh, Tyson had seven tackles for the game, which is a very good effort. Um, and only one of those that makes it a good game. <laughs> well, only one of those was inside fifty as well, which means that he was getting up the ground a bit and and laying some solid uh, work. So, seven tackles for the game. Uh, you know, your small forward, you want them kicking goals and having score involvements, and he was down in that area. But at least he didn't drop his bundle, which uh, some of our small forwards in the past, even champion small forwards of the past, have been known to do. Uh, he kept his work rate up and made an impact defensively. So good on him for that. Yeah, that gives you that actually gives him a pass mark. And when you once you add, add that to the stats, yeah. Uh, Tommy Lynch uh, back in surprisingly for mine, and probably confirming unfortunately that Benny Davis. I don't know what's wrong. Have you got any intel on Benny Davis? Nick? He's, he's, injured. he's injured. He's injured and he's out for the season, which oh, is a real okay. bugger. No, he, he'll be gone at the end of the year. Yeah, um, but Lynchy did all right. I uh, had 11, uh, 11 kicks and three handballs in the first half and what's that, uh, five and one in the second, five and two, sorry, in the second half. So I thought kind he played all right. in the third. Uh, yeah, he had three and two in the third. He, um, as I said, he seemed to be playing uh, defensive wing um, for the majority of the game. Um, so we weren't relying on him for that link-up stuff and that would have been a, a different role for him. Um, but I, yeah, I didn't you, think he was that worse. When they were sitting in the groups at half time, he was in with the midfielders. Yeah, and then it's, I did tweet during the week that uh, I couldn't uh, see how Lynch could be uh, put into that forward line because without having that link up player, the way we were playing, we were mm. much more directly into the forward line rather than going through Lynch all the time. We were more damaging, more dangerous. And, yeah. uh, and, and uh, you know, I just put it where do you think? Does he get in, or if he gets in, where does he go? And yep. the main suggestion by the, the people that did respond was on the wing, and uh, it looks like a, that was a very good uh, suggestion by them because that's what apparently he, that's what he looked like he was playing today. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, 
Right, now who else can we have? Let's have a look at Bryce Gibbs for his last game of uh, AFL footy. Um, and uh, had a bit of a luxury pass in the first quarter and a bit because he was just loose off half-back, uh, running crazy. He had, uh, what's that, uh, 10 disposals in the first quarter, um, down to four in the second, five in the third, and uh, six in the last. So, uh, you know, a Bryce Gibbs game, I didn't think he had... He had a little bit of an impact in the first quarter when we were going well. Um, but, you know kind of tata out of it, as you'd expect, not playing much footy after that. I was also vastly amused that when he got that pass from Sloan towards the end of the last quarter and they're all going, oh, this would be a great way to end it and everything else. I'm thinking, um, commentators, have you never, ever watched him throughout his entire career kicking for goal from a set shot? He's not good. This will be a miss. And yep, it was. Yeah, but I was thrilled for him that that he, A, got the game and um, because you yeah. know he's, he's had a shit a shit time, hasn't he? And yeah. uh, I was thrilled for him to go out the way he did, and I was thrilled with the fact that I think he ended up with twenty odd possessions, and I know that some of them were given to him quite easily, etc. Uh, as you said, thing. But uh, I, I, I thought that he played reasonably well, and he could actually go off the field with his head, you know, holding his head up high. You know, that he wasn't just given a game to finish on, but that he actually did something to justify being on the field, and I was very pleased for him. Yeah. Did really nice kickouts, Macca. I really liked the choices he was making on his kickouts. Yeah, uh, six yeah. score uh-huh. involvements as well. So um, you know, uh, if you could, if you'd have got that from Bryce Gibbs over the last eighteen months, you pro- you know you probably wouldn't have been too disappointed. But uh, we've that's a no, lot. he probably would be a regular if he played like that all the time. He probably would have been a regular. <coughs> Pardon me, a lot of money to pay for a roaming halfback flanker, though. Um, yeah. Right. <laughs> Brody Smith, um, quiet again. We, we did have a roaming halfback flanker who was paid a lot of money, but then again, his name was Andrew McLeod. Yeah, but he wasn't he roaming. Was. He, he was <laughs> no, running. He, went, he roamed wherever he wanted to. Yeah. Um, Brody Smith, yeah. uh, four in the he first. Uh, yeah, he didn't do a lot, I felt. A slightly different role, maybe because of the, the way they were playing. Um, uh, Tommy Lynch defensively um, didn't seem to be amongst it as much. No, I thought he's been the the GWS game in this one. Uh, he's been really good defensively, which is what he, we've needed. He hasn't had to do the run so much. It's mm. a lot of the other younger players that are doing that. Mm. I, I tell you, who'd like Brody Smith? Nineteen ninety Crow was on the chat, uh, jumping on my bandwagon to trade him. I tell you who would like ninety ninety crow says Porter into him. Bloody Hawthorne would be into him, I reckon. He's exactly oh, yeah. the kind of running wingman that Alistair Clarkson would love. It's just a matter of whether he's got enough petrol left in the tank uh, for what Hawthorne's strategy is. But uh, he would he would go quite well at Hawthorne. Um, I don't know. I think South Hawthorne are a worse side than us, uh, quite frankly. I, I can't I can't see where they're going to go. They've lost their last eight games in a row, I think it is, and uh, they've got no firepower. They've got nothing. No. Um, no. Uh, interestingly... Oh, no, sorry, that's not interesting at all. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry, I misread my own graph. Um 
Yeah, so I mean, he got a he got a bit of contested ball, Brody. I, I just think it was one of those games where he was probably he wasn't the main man for a change. Um, you know, he's he's had a good patch of of uh, footy during the season. He's just probably tailed off a bit. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'd 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 put him on the market. I know you don't want him, Mac. Isn't he contracted? Uh, I can't remember, but I don't think that'd matter. I think you'd put him on the on the market and see if anyone wants him. Yeah, That's I, what I, I reckon. And if he's contracted, he has to agree to go, though. Yeah, I think he'll be here next year. Well, yeah, uh, don't know, don't know. What much to say that, Mac? Well, he's had, you know, overall, he's had some pretty good games this year. Um, I don't, you know, we we've thrown out a lot of players that uh, were too old, or I've got a couple wrong as well. But um, no, I, I don't think we'll be, this year we'll be cleaning out mostly uh, younger players that haven't haven't cut the mustard, rather than players like Smith. That's my yeah. opinion, anyhow. You'd be an unrestricted free agent next year. Well, yeah, that does that means that probably, if he. You know, if you think that he's going to move, then you do trade him this year. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. If you think he's going to move. If you think he's going to stay, well, you just carry on. But yeah. you don't tell the other clubs that you're interested in moving on. You wait for them to see. It's it, it's a very – because then they'll go, well, we could get him unrestricted the following year. No, you're quite right. You're right. So it's, yeah. it's a very careful game they'd have to play. They kind of need to let other clubs know that he might possibly be on the market and mm. you can have him a year early because there might be other clubs that are interested in him next year and uh, might be able to up you. So that would be, a, that'd, that'd be a, a fun little political game to play. Yeah, interesting. Um, look, so overall, I think that's uh, I think we're done. Uh, well, probably uh, two that I just want to finish up on, and I hate finishing up on neg- negatives, but uh, oh, Geordie Butts, I thought, even though uh, Harry McKay got on top of him a little bit, um, I thought uh, he battled on uh, pretty well, uh, you know, for a two-gamer, and Harry McKay. Harry McKay in a good team would be an absolute weapon. I wouldn't be surprised if someone tries to throw him a 10-year, $6 million Contract or a five-year, six million-dollar contract. Yeah, he he really has got the potential to be something, oh, hasn't he? he absolutely, really has. absolutely. Um, and 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 I thought Butts actually did quite well on him at times. I think one of one of his goals he got actually, Butts probably should have got a push in the back free. Correct, but um, look, it was just uh, he was the two. Look, Butts well, he wouldn't have been. Gamer. Yeah, he wouldn't have been the matchup perfect world. Um, but no. you know, with Tarzan. No. Um, it's, it's not the kind of matchup you'd, you've got butts in the game for, but uh, I thought, look, I thought he battled hard. Um, Darcy Fogarty, let's have a little quick chat about Darcy. Um, what do you think of his game? He's got to lose kilos. He has to lose kilos. And look, he should be playing a lot better than he is playing, and, he, and he's, under, he's underperforming at the moment. And I think one of the, one of the reasons for that, he, you know, is that he doesn't have a tank at all. I don't think he's got got any tank. And, half uh, of, I think half that, a football without uh, a kick, Macca. Half a football without a kick. And I uh, I, a qu- one quarter without a touch. Yeah, I totally believe it because he's not where... Look, to me, he's. I think he's got a lot of talent, but he, at the moment he's not dedicated enough. I think he's carrying far too much weight, far too much weight. 
And if, if we are going to get anything out of him, he's got to lose a lot of kilos and he's got to do that by running and building up a tank. Otherwise, he's just not going to be what we hoped he'd be. Yep, agreed. It's a perf- perf- perfect game for him to take control. Agreed. And show, no show what he could do. And Himmelberg did it instead. Yeah, no Tex yeah. Walker and uh, Lynch playing sort of on the other side of the ground. He he had all that space and um, uh, he's not impressing me. He really isn't impressing me. He at the moment he look. The thing that annoys me about him most of all is that whenever the ball comes into his area, he's always behind his man. He doesn't yes. value yeah. front spot at all. He's always led to the ball. Always led to the ball. Um, and whether that's fitness or desire or a combination of the two or confidence, I'm not quite sure. Um, I'd love to see Darcy develop because he's got a mountain of talent. But, geez, he's going to have to get a wriggle on. But for somebody who's well, apparently quite a natural footballer, he should be reading that play. Well, that's what I don't understand because he's, he is a natural gifted footballer. And you would think one of his best abilities would be to find space but he just doesn't seem interested in doing so I'm seeing him as lazy and I'm seeing him as not not working hard enough and I'm seeing him as being well well overweight that's the way I see him anyhow and look, yeah. I, I think that if they could get if they get give him a personal bloody trainer to actually drive him insane with make him work 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 um, he could he could come back as a very good player but also, you've got to get him to want to do it as well. And mm. At this stage, he's not doing it. Yeah, that, that's my worry. I wonder whether he's got the desire. Um, anyway, we won't dwell on that. Uh, the last lad that I want to have a look at is Chase. Um, didn't have a busy game disposal-wise. He only had the uh, two kicks um, and what's that? four handballs. Uh, but he did have four score involvements. Um, uh, played more as a forward. Yeah, played played almost as the as the Tom Lynch lead up role, really. Um, and that that one where he got that mark, that was a beautiful little lead oh, that yeah. he did. Well, I mean, he's he's not someone that hasn't got any ability. I mean, we can argue about the draft um, pick, but you know, he was definitely ranked in the in the top dozen or fifteen or so in that draft. Um, so he's got ability. I, I I worry about his composure in close, and it surprises me because my understanding was that that was one of his uh, strengths was his composure in close. But um, I, I I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it at all, and he's and that, just not getting enough of the, the ball. Yeah, that, that composure was because he'd been playing in the the Tasmanian leg against men. So this might actually be a bit of an indictment of the Tasmanian leg. Well, possibly. Well, yeah, well, so he certainly hadn't set the world on fire. And one, the other player you didn't mention, obviously, Fink, you didn't play, Buddy McHenry. I mean, the way our side is playing, there isn't a spot for him. Not right now, He hasn't now, done no. enough when he gets in there. Oh, he hasn't done anything. Hasn't done anything. Um, and Jones is at the point now where he's almost, if Will Hamill comes in, uh, you'd almost suggest that Lynch goes into that lead-up forward role and uh, Chase comes out for Will Hamill. Um, you know, you, you wouldn't want to do it because you wouldn't want to drop a kid for a veteran. But on form at the moment, Chase probably 
has just about spent all his tickets. Well, you know, it's sort of a segue into what I was going, wanted to, to raise with you, Payne, is and Jones and uh, McKenna are good examples of what I'm getting at. We haven't been that good with our drafting in recent years. Oh, it's uh, only that one year, really, Mac. It's only that one year. I, I, well, I think I think Hamish had a swing and a miss in the Jones McHenry year, but aside well, from that, he's done uh, right. Yeah. And look, well, he certainly had a miss, but um, the uh, Rowey on five double A keeps it. You know, the callers keep bringing up making very similar points about these two guys, for example, and also make other points about Fogarty and uh, Miller, etc., and saying that. Um, they, you know, if we're going to have picks one and two, they're worried sick about what we had to pick with them. But Rowan keeps saying, and they, and actually, and they say the same individuals are there that, that made those selections. And Ray says, look, there's going to be some very big announcements about that coming up. So it, I just wonder what that whether if anybody's heard anything in that direction. Oh, it'd be Rendell, wouldn't it? Well, I don't know. Maybe it is. Uh, uh, they had look. Rendell's been sniffing around. He did a uh, he did a couple of interviews uh, about a month ago where they were asking him about Adelaide's list, and he was having a bit to say and all the rest of it. I don't think that he. I think I don't think he'd come in over the top of Hamish, um, but I think Adelaide would be reasonably keen to get the band back together. Um, you know, Rendell and, and Hamish were a good team. I think Rendell has got strengths in reading local talent. Uh, Hamish is very good at picking up the the Victorian lads, the country lads. Um, yeah. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind betting that uh, it's Randall that comes back in. I, I'm th- I'm sort of wondering whether it's more about Reed, the list manager, because of the five year contracts etc. that got handed around. No. Um, I, I, I wouldn't mind betting that uh, if there is a, if there's going to be a change in terms of removing somebody, it would be Justin Reed. Not no, when think, he's Mark Rusciuto's so. former manager. Sorry, what, what? Not when he's Mark Rusciuto's former manager and Rue's still there. Well, that's how he got the job, but uh, it doesn't mean to say he has to keep it. Yeah, no, I, I don't think so, Mac. Not unless uh, they're looking to move Hamish into that role um, and putting Rendell in charge of recruitment, but I don't think so because uh, Hamish is based in Victoria, isn't he? So I don't think he'd come over for that. Um, no, I think Ogilvy will survive. I'm not talking about. No, no, no. Then, I'm talking about Ogilvy going into Reed's role, and and Rendell no. coming into Ogilvy's role. I don't think I don't think uh, Reed is uh, is under in, in any danger. Uh, I, I, yeah, I'm not so he sure about be, it. But he's not. Look, I'm not so sure about it. But anyway, you, you might be right, but. Uh, He's made some terrible mistakes. Whether they are under instruction, I don't know. Well, um, I was going to say, don't forget that he carries out what the list management committee decide, and the list management committee includes Mark Rusciuto, Andrew Fagan, um, and I believe the head coach. So in the past, it's been Don Pike. So yeah, you raise a good point. you do raise a good point there. You know, I mean, I was impressed with Reed walking away from the Gibbs deal in the first year that he was here. And, uh, you know, as we all know now, it was Andrew Fagan that basically uh, thumped the desk and said, make it happen the second year. I don't know whether Reedy would have done that trade on his own bat. Anyway, I, look, uh, yeah, that's, 
that's where I think. And I've also noticed in the paper that we've had a couple of nice little fluffy pieces about Mark Ricciuto over the ne- over the last couple of um, last week or so. And uh, my, my bet is that uh, we'll get an announcement that he will be uh, Rob Chapman's replacement. Can he really have the time to do that and still do all these jobs? I well, mean, they it, might they might rejig his other football. He might uh, be removed as director of football, which I don't think would be a bad thing, given the train wreck that that that's overseen over the last three years. Um, I I would almost be willing to bet your house, Macca, on uh, Mark Rusciuto being Chappie's replacement. Well, I'm rocking up my blood, uh, the title to my house, so you can't get it. Um, but I, I, Jesus, that would surprise me if he was, because do you see him as that type of person? Oh, what sort of person do you need to be? What does Chapman do? He's a figurehead. Well, He's a, figure, a figurehead, figurehead and he... Wait. Well, look, what do you want your chairman to do? You want him to open some doors... You want him to uh, be the face of the club. You want him to, um, you know, bring money in through sponsorship and the coterie and all the rest of it. And you want him to oversee what is perceived as a solid board um, and good executive. Um, now, probably 75% of that I reckon Rashudo could do. I think he's well suited to. He's got good connections. Um, you know, he's well known and respected in football circles. Um, you know, he's got business interests, etc. Uh, I actually think I'd rather see him in that role than in a in a hands-on role of director of football because he's cocked that up and he's too biased. Yeah, very much so. I agree, I agree with that particular part. Uh, I agree that he. I'd, I'd like to see him removed as uh, from being the director of football, but I don't necessarily want to see him as the chairman either. Yeah, well, um, you know, it, it. I don't. I feel like Rashido's had a little bit too much influence. He's got a, his fingers in a few too many pies at um, the footy club at the moment. Uh, I don't know whether he's that good at delegating, and I don't know, as I said, whether he's that objective. Um, so I'm not saying that it's my preferred choice, but I'm just trying to read the, pardon me, read the tea leaves. And it just struck me as a little bit odd that we've had a couple of fluffy rue pieces and we've also had Graham Corns all of a sudden um, uh, interviewing the blokes from Collective Minds for no bloody good reason, apart from trying to hose it down. So, uh, I don't know. That's where it's pointing to me. I'm probably wrong, but that's what it's pointing like to me. Hope not. Anyway, look, we had a a very good win uh, uh, well, two very good wins since our last podcast and we're up against Richmond in the last round of the season um, and uh, I think if we can have an honourable loss in that last round of the season I think that would be uh, not a bad finish to what was looking like a diabolical year uh, only a month or so ago. Yeah, well I think it's very important we do lose and then we lose by about five goals. Yeah, 4.40 <laughs> on a... Uh, 4.40 on Saturday uh, at Adelaide Oval, uh, so a few of you will be able to go. Um, Up against and, the supercars. And uh, and then the fun will really begin for the Adelaide Crows. So that's when our season will really start during that trade and draft season. Of course, we don't even know what's happening with the uh, the draft and we don't know what's happening with the trades. We don't know what's happening with the lists. 
in terms of their size and whether we're still having rookies. So there's a lot to go on um, between now and Christmas uh, for the Adelaide Crows. Um, and playing at the moment almost seems secondary. Yeah, look, you're 100% right. And I do think it's uh, a little bit poor of the AFL not to have come up with the answers to those things because um, clubs like us, we're, it's all over Red Rover next Saturday. And that's going to apply to 10 teams uh, immediately. And, and then progressively, um, week by week, there'll be another couple come out. So I, I just think that's very ordinary that you can come to the end of the season and you don't know how many players you, you, you're are going to be allowed to have on your list. You don't know what your salary cap's going to be um, and, uh, you know, what if there's going to be a reduction in the contracts, uh, how, what, what's the ratio, et cetera, et cetera. There's so many things that um, the, the clubs have to know before they can, they can plan uh, players' futures and, uh, you know, and their own future. So I just think it's poor by the AFL. Dead set, right, Macca? There's a lot... To sort out between now and the end of the season. Look, I've really enjoyed I, having was... you both this evening. Nikki, quickly. Um, can I just finish on congratulations to the Flinders Uni women's team, undefeated Premiers. Go Crabs. This year. Go Crabs. <laughs> and, right. yep, and the men actually won their first final. Fantastic. Well. Don't forget, you can follow us on Patreon and uh, all the other socials around the place. Um, Bloody hell, Nikki! You just ran me out of my outro music. <laughs> Read the room, woman. <laughs> you were a bit too quick. Oh well, I'm not even going there. All right, this time we really are going. Thanks everyone for joining us on the chat. Thanks on YouTube and Facebook and on Discord, and we'll see you for uh, the weekend wrap after the Richmond game next Sunday night at seven thirty. Thanks, guys. Yeah, not all.